Hello. Hey guys. What's up? Welcome to Murder Happy Hour. We are your hosts Morgan and Amber. And we're coming at you from our respective isolation pits. Because that's <laughs> the state of my home right now, a freaking pit. It's oh, not ab- good. Absolutely, yeah. Like, we're, yeah, I'm glad you can't see me or my recording studio right now. It ain't pretty, neither of no. them. I mean, I sent my work friends a Snapchat of me today, and I did, like, the dermaplane at home. And <laughs> if for those of you that don't know what this is, it's, like, you take a little razor and, like, shave off the top layer of your oh. skin. It's like, a, it's like an exfoliation, but, like, the whole very top of my forehead is all scraped. <laughs> Because I got a little aggressive. Did you scrape too hard? (laughs) So I sent a picture of it, and one of my coworkers is like, the price of beauty. And so I sent back a picture of my, like, bare face with my dark under-eye circles. I'm like, this is beauty. My under-eyes are darker than Pete Davidson's. This is not beautiful. Like, <laughs> okay, but if we want to talk about beauty, you guys, my mustache <laughs> is getting out of hand. I need the salons to open back up. <laughs> I can drop off one of my little razors. People use it for that. I don't want to razor my mustache. It doesn't come back thicker. Okay. And, and you use it like here on the sides of your face a little bit so that it's like. You get, you know, like your peach fuzzies off, mm-hmm. but just don't get aggressive on your forehead. Like <laughs> I'm just worried about my stash and it's, it's pretty blonde, so it's all good. Nobody's seeing me anyway. So my, uh, my husband came to bed last night and he's like, what in the beep is wrong with your face? There's blood all <laughs> over it. And I was like, I did an exfoliation. <laughs> <laughs> Very aggressive. He's exfoli- like, hey. <laughs> That's funny. So today, I guess on another note, today we are bringing you a kind of interesting one. I'm kind of into this one. It's about an 11-year-old serial killer in the 60s. Freaking terrifying is what it is. She's like a little demon. Literally. I shouldn't say little because she's alive out there somewhere. (laughs) So, we're covering the case today of Mary Bell, who was um, British. She was born in 1957. Her mom was a 17-year-old prostitute. No one knows who her dad, actual real dad, was. Mary believed that her dad was a man named Billy Bell, who was basically, like, a small-time career criminal. Like, Oh, of course he was. But he wasn't her. this better. Yeah, he wasn't her real dad. Mary was already born when her mom married him, but that's where she got her name from. Um, Betty, Mary's mom, was a treat. She was an alcoholic. By the time Mary was four, she was pimping her out, according to Mary. Yeah, this girl didn't even start with a fighting chance, no. Um. Family members believe that Betty tried to kill Mary numerous times. She once fell from a window. She ate a bunch of sleeping pills by accident, supposedly. Well, yeah, and people even witnessed her feeding her sleeping pills. Yeah. Being like, here, have some 
treats. <laughs> I mean, we've all done that with Benadryl a time or two, but we don't talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> You're like, shh. <laughs> Just take one and go to sleep. <laughs> so this is, to me, kind of sounding like a Munchausen by proxy thing. Like, the mom wants attention for all of her daughter's mysterious ill, like falling from a window, like consuming sleeping pills. Like it's kind of reminds you of that gypsy story. <laughs> it kind of sounds to me like she just wanted to off her own kid. <laughs> I mean, that's also a possibility. Either way, so, not good. Um, also, when Mary was five years old, she witnessed her friend getting run over and killed by a school or by a bus. I'm envisioning, like, one of those red double-decker buses oh, in God. England. <laughs> it's not funny, but that's, like, what it's goes not. through my mind. And in um, my mind, the first thing I thought of was that scene from Mean Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Poor girl. Anyway. So, there's a very, very good likelihood that Mary suffered from brain damage. Um, maybe from falling out the window. Maybe from the sleeping pills. Maybe from the continuous abuse and sexual abuse she suffered both at the hands of her mom and her mom's friends. Yeah. I also found this, that her mom was a Donna Matrix prostitute. Oh. So there was extra violence, apparently, in that. I Yeah, so seeing I mean, that violence from a very young age, kind of, I feel like... This just screams childhood trauma in the worst degree. So now, or in this day and age, they say that she probably very likely injured what they call your prefrontal cortex, and they use... This part of your brain is used for decision-making and movement, so it makes sense. Um, So Mary was acting super strange, like... 11 years old, not acting like a normal kid. So she was playing with a three-year-old little boy who fell off an air raid shelter and was, like, severely, severely injured. They thought it was an accident. Until the next day, three different women came forward to the police and said that Mary had tried to choke their daughters to death. Yeah, apparently Mary was, like... Real aggressive on the playground. Like, choke, like choking people all the time. I mean, we'd all like to do that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think I developed those feelings till I was much older. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, May 25th, 1968, four-year-old Martin Brown was found strangled in an abandoned house. Um, it was likely, it's very likely that Mary killed him by herself. After, so like the day or two after Martin died, Mary showed up at his house and asked his mom to see him. His mom thought, oh, she's a friend of his, you know, whatever, like explained to him what, explained to her what happened. And she said that, oh yeah, I know that, but I just want to see his body in the coffin. (sighs) Okay, no, bye. That's not not normal. After Martin was killed, they didn't really think anything of Mary being a part of it. 
Um, Mary and her friend Norma, her name was Norma Bell, but they weren't related at all. Apparently they broke into and like totally trashed a daycare and left messages saying that they were responsible for the killing. So actually this daycare then after this set up cameras because they had had a lot of weird break-ins like this. And not long after this happened, police, um, the alarms went off and Mary and Norma were outside the building and police thought that they were just like weirdos, like weird little kids, you know, causing trouble, loitering around or whatever. So nothing more was said about it. And everyone thought it was just a big joke. So around the same time, Mary was bragging to friends at school that she murdered this little boy. Bragging about that to your friends at 11 years old. Right, like you just clearly don't, like you don't get it. Or maybe you do and you're just seriously that mentally ill. Right. So Mary was not very popular at school. She was known as kind of a (laughs) show-off. No kidding. (laughs) She's not very nice. She'll strangle you. (laughs) Don't tag her. She'll get you. (laughs) So she was known as a show-off, obviously, and a liar. And so nobody really thought anything of it. Like, they're like, oh, it's just that crazy Mary. (laughs) Well, and wasn't, so this Norma, wasn't that kind of her only? Yeah, and Norma was two years older. She was 13. And she was... She had, um, I don't know how I want to say, like, developmental yeah. delays or kind of, so she, and I don't know, she was, like, very easily influenced by Mary as well. And, like, she maybe, even though she was older, didn't, like, yeah, wasn't didn't as sure. Did, yeah, so yeah. she kind of did, went along with what Mary wanted her to do. Yes. So July 31st, 1968, three-year-old Brian Howe disappeared. Brian's sister was out looking for him, and Mary and Norma offered to help in the search. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Apparently, while they were, they, like, actually led the sister to his body, but it was covered up with concrete blocks, and apparently Mary pointed at the blocks and was like, oh, could he be in there? And Norma was like, oh, no, that's not where he would be. And they, like, didn't think anything of it. The girls later returned to the body and carved an M into his belly, cut off his hair, and mutilated his privates. This three-year-old little boy. Like, so not only are you, like, like, literally murdering little kids, but then you're, like, yeah, this is extreme. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the girls were acting super strange after the killings and Mary was almost trying to like insert herself in the investigation, like offering to help look for Brian. And apparently the day that Brian was buried, Mary was seen outside of his house and was giggling and rubbing her hands together when she saw his coffin. Well, that's a terrifying scene. Like what the what? Exactly. So police finally brought her in for investigation and Mary made up a story that she saw an eight-year-old boy punch Brian and the boy also had a broken pair of scissors. Like she made sure to add that because of the stomach carving. Then they interviewed Norma. She caved like a, I don't even know what, bad. (laughs) Coal mine. (laughs) And blamed everything on Mary. At the same time, Mary was 
<laughs> going after Norma. Like, she was like, you got the wrong girl. <laughs> um, so, basically, Norma agreed to help the police. Um, she was never charged. She was acquitted. They let it all go in exchange for her testifying against Mary. So, in December of 1968, Mary went to trial and was convicted of manslaughter, not murder, due to, quote, diminished responsibility, likely due to her age and her clear mental issues. That's the only way to put it. Right. She had been examined by a psychiatrist, and they said um, that she displayed... Classic symptoms of psychopathy. Well, I would, I would have I to would agree. agree. Yep. And she likely posed a very great risk to other children. I would assume. I would also so, yes. agree. Yep. They nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Get these guys their paychecks. <laughs> she was sentenced to Her Majesty's pleasure. So basically, like you're in jail for like. No specific amount of time. Like, you're there until we say so type of deal. Which, sometimes I wish we had that here. But this case was, like, huge at the time in the press. Her mom was talking to the press. Of course, moms, these crazy moms always come out of the woodwork, right? So she was in prison for nine years. In September of 1990, or 1990, 1977, she escaped from prison. They found her. They brought her back. Um, she lost her prison privileges for 28 days, whatever whatever that is, whatever well, those prison privileges are. The, pr- the prison that she was in, it was kind of like a come, come, come and you. go prison. Yeah. Like, it was yeah. like, we're going to trust you to do stuff, and we don't really, like, have a lot of rules, rules and regulations as long as you come back. Mm-hmm. It, it seems a little... Yeah, she was in quite a few different facilities. And prison in the 60s and 70s was very different than what it is now. Um, Especially, I would assume, in Great Britain. So, in 1980, after serving 12 years, Mary was released from prison in what they call on-license. So, this means that she was still serving time, but from the way it sounded... You're basically on house arrest with really, really strict probation rules. And they gave her a new identity, and she, like, just got to start over. Which, I... Like, what? It makes no sense. Like, you... Yeah. So she was 23 years old when she got released. Um, She... Rumor has it that she returned to her hometown for a brief period of time. They then changed her identity... And she kind of hopped all over because they um, were able to track her down kind of wherever she was. In 1984, Mary had a daughter. And Mary knew, Mary's daughter knew nothing about this until the press found them in 1998. So could you imagine being 14 years old and the press comes and is like, your mommy's a serial killer? Yeah, like, oh, by the way... So they left their home with bed sheets over their heads, like hiding. And so Mary's daughter's identity was protect, supposed to be protected until she was 18 years old. Um, in May of 2003, Mary went to court 
to have both hers and her daughter's anonymity extended indefinitely, basically for the rest of their lives to protect her daughter. And now that um, practice of requesting anonymity for an indefinite period of time is now known as a Mary Bell order. In 2009, the order was updated to include Mary's granddaughter. Yeah. So, like, her whole family lineage is covered by this anonymity law. And Mary had a Commonwealth husband. Like, they lived together for quite a period of time, but they must have never gotten married, and that's how they kept tracking her down. I don't know that they're still together or not. So, all three women... Their whereabouts are unknown since 2009. She's out, she's out there somewhere. So she's out there. She was born in 1957, so she's around 62 years old right now. Has been out of prison since her 20s. As far as we know, has never committed any other offenses, but that just seems strange to me, unless she got a lot of therapy that's the thing like you wonder if we're missing something about like some rehabilitation in here somewhere along the line because you think if you were that messed up as a kid and murdering people like you don't just yeah like you don't and so maliciously too like it's not like it was cautiously testing the waters like you're enjoying this yeah and then you just grow up and get out of prison and you're good to go well, and I know that they said that she was initially released on the um, in license or whatever because they were so happy with how well she had been doing. But, but I don't know if it matters how well you're doing. No, because you still murdered two little kids, even though they called it manslaughter. You still, still kill murder, them. and like not only did you kill them. You strangled them with your bare hands. As a as an eleven year old. Like that takes like I ugh I just mm-hmm. That's somebody I don't I don't think you can ever and like the amount of trauma that she went through as a kid, I don't think that's something that you ever like recover from. Well right, like if your brain like if you really damaged your brain that much. Yeah. Like I would imagine severe PTSD. Oh, absolutely. So, we don't know. We don't know where Mary... I mean, we. this case is kind of weird because we know what happened, but she's not Mary Bell anymore. And where is she? Somewhere in England. I hope that she got the help that she needed. And I hope so, too. This, I'm I, not I overly have, optimistic. I have weird feelings about this one. Yeah, I have weird feelings about it, too. It was quite the one to research. Like, I was like, what the... Like, there's people that are in jail, like, not that drugs are good or whatever, but, like, there's people that are in jail for, like, drugs or nonviolent offenses and stuff, and they're in jail for, like, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and she served 12 years. Right, and even, like, escape, like, tried to escape at one point, and they were still like, oh, she's doing good. She's doing good. She's making an effort, so... I mean, yeah. So, there's that one for you. So, that's the story of little Mary Bell. We'll post a picture of her. She does not look like a friendly 11 year old. Like, she's not a girl that I'd want to meet in the street. 
I wouldn't want to have a snowball fight with her, that's for sure. No, I wouldn't want to catch her on the playground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> would want to steal her swing. No. Well, guys, that's all we got for you today. We hope you sleep well tonight. Yeah. <laughs> we hope you are staying healthy. Hopefully this madness is going to be over soon. But until then, guys, stay safe. Stay safe. Lock your freaking, freaking doors. And wash your hands. Wash them. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.